Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Final hour of Hot Mike is here. Hutton and Withrow with you. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. As we broadcast live at 6th and Peabody with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And we'll get to the Masters ratings for the final round. We will discuss a crazy claim on what we're going to see with home runs moving forward. But Chad, one of our favorite guests over the years has always been Pete Prisco, who joins us from CBS Sports. Long time uh, senior columnist with CBSSports.com. And we enjoy him this time of year because he always has a different take than the group think when it comes to the NFL draft. He also has the solution for Arizona State football to succeed. Cheat. Which is cheat better. Yeah, cheat, cheat, cheat more. Cheat. That's which right. all college programs can do now legally. Pete, it's uh, great to have you on the show, man. Hope things are well. Everything's good, yeah. Uh, just get through the draft and we can start uh, easing back a little bit. What is the biggest group think mentality with this year's draft? Is it just that... Bryce Young going number two to Houston? Because I don't hear his name enough at number one. And whenever it was believed to be Houston or it was believed to be whoever, initially it was Bryce Young was going number one in this draft. Where do you have him falling? And if it's not that storyline, what would you point to? No, I think he's going number one. I think even the betting markets have moved to where he's the favorite now to go number one. I think he is going to go number one. Um, the biggest, as far as the biggest group think, blood sport killing Will Levis. I don't think there's any question about that. <laughs> uh, it's become much like Josh Allen back in the day, where every one guy says it, two say it, four, eight, 16, and on it multiplies into the, into the Twitter cult world where every draft analyst of the world believes the same thing. And that is that Will Levis can't be any good, which is ridiculous. Will Levis has a cannon for an arm. He can make all the throws, and he played in a terrible offense at Kentucky last year. The offensive coordinator was fired after one year. He had no offensive line. His receivers weren't very good, and his running back's a good player, but he ran 4-6 or whatever. They had problems, and oh, by the way, he was shot up in two different body parts to play. And so, and yet you sit here and you say, oh, he can't play. Well, that's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's the same thing. With Josh Allen, I go back to that. I'm not saying he's going to be Josh Allen, but it was the same type of venom directed at Josh Allen. And here's the other thing. Uh, you know, when you look at this quarterback class and C.J. Stroud played with four first-round picks at wide receiver, a first-round left tackle, a second-round center, a second-round right tackle, and a running back who's going to be a second-round pick next year. Pretty easy to play with those guys in a good system. So I think it's a hard evaluation. I think Will Levis is, is getting beaten up a little bit too much, uh, and I think he's going to ultimately be the guy that makes people and proves them wrong. And a big part of him getting beaten up now, Pete, is not just you know people turning on the film and watching him in Kentucky, but the interview process. You know, you're hearing reports that he's weirding teams out. They don't like the bathroom mirror selfie and him being all jacked up in that photo. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it has become blood sport to pick on Will Levis. Who do you like Will Levis for offensively? 
that's picking early in this draft where you think he makes sense? I mean, if I were Carolina, I would look at him. They won't. I mean, I think they won't um, because they're scared. And so they'll try and settle for the safer pick, which is, look, Bryce Young's the best passer in the draft. There's no question about that. But he's an outlier. Five foot ten. I heard he was under 185 pounds for most of his career at Alabama. You know, and he's got the scouts say he's got tiny wrists. He's a small person. And does that hold up in the NFL? If he was two inches taller, three inches taller and, a, and 15 pounds heavier, you'd say, no, he's a, he should be the first pick. But you're talking about an outlier. So I think if you're if you're the Carolina Panthers, you got to look at it from that standpoint that, yeah, you probably draft Bryce Young based on what he's done. But there's great risk with a guy that small. I don't care what anybody says. And we've seen big physical quarterbacks who move get broken down. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Josh Allen. And he doesn't run like that, but he moves. And it's a part of his game. And I think that's a concern. But I think Levis to one to Carolina would be in play. I don't think they'll take him. I think at three, uh, if a team moves up into that spot, they might take him there. And then there's also uh, Indianapolis, and they've been linked to the Colts a long time. Levis, you hear they like him a great deal. That's at least in league circles, and you can't believe everything you hear. Here's the other thing about Levis. Kentucky was in the top 10 two years ago. Think about that. Kentucky, he had him there. The guy's got talent. He's going to be a good NFL quarterback. Pete Prisco with us on Hot Mike. Is a team more likely to trade with Arizona for Levis or Richardson? Depends. And if you can be a little bit more patient, I think you, you might lean to Richardson. But we know how these jobs are. And, yeah. You know, you, people have linked the Colts to Richardson. Does Chris Ballard have time to sit around and wait for that? I don't think he does. And so he needs to get a guy that's going to be ready to play at least a little quicker. And I think that would be that would be Levis. And so it makes sense from that standpoint. But, I, you know, I have guys in the league tell me they think Richardson's two or three years down the road to be able to play starting quarterback in the NFL. And then you have Hendon Hooker and where he fits into all this. Coming off the ACL injury, already 24 years old, very prolific, though, at Tennessee. He's knocking it out of the park with all the interviews, and we interviewed him at the Super Bowl and knew that would be the case. Great, yeah. But what, where do you see him in all of this, Pete, right now with, with teams that may be interested in, in Hendon Hooker? Back end of the first round. I think somebody's going to come back in and get him. One of the teams that doesn't take a quarterback early is going to come back in and get him because there's value in taking him in the first round. And, and I think when you look at him, he's got the tools. Now, there are knocks on him. You mentioned the age. That's a concern. But guys played to 37, 38, 40. So, heck, some guys played to 45. We've seen, that, we've seen that play out. You also have, uh, you know, the knee injury, which is a concern. And the fact that he played in that offense, which caters to the quarterback and makes it easy and makes it easy throws. But uh, there's a lot to like about Hendon Hooker. So I think a team will come back in. You're going to see five quarterbacks go in the first round. Pete, we always see teams overreach for quarterback. That's That goes without saying in this league. You mentioned it. Jobs are on the line. Um, who's getting the best player? Do you have Jalen Carter as the best NFL player in the draft this year? He's the best player, but... I mean, there is so much risk to pick him. Yeah. If he if he keeps on the straight narrow and he works at it and he becomes what you want in a pro's pro, I think he's the best player. I mean, he I, I said that in fact, I was on with Ray Lewis. He was working with us last year, and I did something with Ray Lewis. They wanted us to break down that great Georgia defense. And when we went in and I watched the tape and I looked at it, I said, Okay, Trayvon Walker's there and Nolan Smith is there and and Dean and all those players, Jordan Davis. And I said, 
88's the best player. And he was the best player. I think he's the best player in this draft. But that doesn't mean that you can take him. You better do your due diligence on him and find out if you if he doesn't love football at Georgia, will he love football in the NFL? Sometimes guys change. There are guys in college who haven't been good in terms of loving football, and they get to the NFL and they change. There are guys that have been good in college and get to the NFL and get that money and become a different person. That's why all these psychological tests that these GMs and front office people love so much, how the hell can you evaluate a guy based on what is going to happen? You can't. You can't tell me a kid who's you know 21 years old all of a sudden becomes a millionaire and goes into a locker room with grown men that your psychological test is going to tell you how he handles that. That that's not how you evaluate people. I don't believe in that at all. Pete Prisco with us here on Hot Mike, Chad uh, from one SEC top of the line program to another. Yeah, Alabama and Will Anderson, Pete, and I I feel like there's examples of this every year in the draft, and I don't think it's any one analyst's fault or anything, but there always seems to be that player that's just really good at a good program that you've heard about for two or three years in the college game that is just quiet. There's not a lot that goes on with them, not a lot better or worse, but as we get closer to draft night, I feel like that player starts to get picked apart a little bit more, or if that player's not picked apart, some other players start to get elevated ahead of that player at their position that we don't know as much about. Do you feel like Will Anderson fits into that category right now? Yeah, and I'm probably guilty of it because I'm one of those guys that doesn't love, love, love him like I thought I would. And, you know, look, he didn't play as well last year. Part of that was on Alabama. They used him in a reduced role. You know, he reduced him inside, which I never quite understood, uh, kind of limited him in terms of his pass rush abilities. But most of the comparisons are to Von Miller, Derek Thomas, those kind of guys. I don't see that at all. I think he's a good football player. He's not an explosively twitchy edge rusher. He's just a good, sound football player. If you want a good football player, you're going to get one. Is he going to be a 20-sack guy? The answer to or 19, 15, you know, every year? I'd say no. I, that's not who he is. I think he'll be more like a 10, 11-sack guy and a good football player, which is okay. He's a good player. I just don't think he's. you can make the comparison to those type of players. We normally will be talking wide receiver a lot. That's not happening in this first round, at least. Corner seems to be really good, but it's getting knocked down because of all the quarterback discussion and pass rushers up top. Who's the top corner in this draft and why, Pete? I like the Gonzalez kid, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. I think he's prototypical. He's six foot two. He's long. He's athletic. He can cover. You know, some people say he doesn't tackle the way you would like to like him to tackle. Whereas the Witherspoon kid from Illinois, everybody's getting enamored with him because he's a physical kid. But he's only five foot eleven, and and I think if you have an op- opportunity to get a tall, angular corner who can cover, you grab him when you can. I like Gonzalez more. I think Witherspoon is going to be the second corner. He could be the first corner taken, but I like Gonzalez more. Detroit's in an interesting spot. Do you think because of the trade with Akuda to Atlanta, they're going corner now? Have they tipped what they're doing? Or <laughs> could you see them going Anderson, for instance? Or, I mean, I don't know if Carter falls to them, but can you imagine Carter lined up next to Hutchinson? Or either of those guys, really. And they need, and they need a defensive interior player. So I think Carter fell to him. They have to consider it. But you don't know where he is on their board. Right, have right. they taken him off? That's the, that's the X factor you don't know of. But I think corners in play, and people say, well, they went out and got Cam, uh, Cam Sutton. He's a good player, by the way. He's a really good player. But they also signed Emmanuel Mosley. Now, Mosley had a good start to his season last year. He's a good player as well. 
but he's coming off an ACL. So I think they could be in play and should be in play for a corner in that spot if they don't take Carter. And we don't know where they are in Carter. If Carter falls to them, they should take Carter. Run run that card up the board and take him if they, if they are okay with everything off the field. Pete, looking at your latest mock draft right now, and you've got two shorter receivers going back-to-back in Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. So clearly you don't have a lot of separation between those two. How do you view both of those guys and what they can bring to a team? I think Addison's the best receiver in the draft. Uh, I, I think, you know, when you look at him, he's a pure route runner, uh, and productive player, was there at Pitt when he was with Pickett. Uh, and probably was even better at Pitt, I thought, than he was a year ago. Uh, the only knock on him is his weight. He's slender. He, but, you know, Devontae Smith was the same way. And when he came out, people wondered if he'd be able to handle it. He caught more passes last year than any Eagles receiver in history. So I, I like Jordan Addison, one. I like, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I think he's more of a slot receiver, though some people think go outside. Uh, then Zay Flowers. I, I feel sorry for Zay Flowers. He had to play with bad quarterback play uh, for most of his career. Uh, he's going to be a good player. Quentin Johnson's the difference. You know, he's the different guy. He's long. He's tall. He's athletic. He's a long strider. But he drops a lot of passes. He lets the ball get on top of him. But you watch. Somebody's going to see his height, and uh, and they're going to probably – he might end up being the first receiver pick because he's in a in a class with little receivers. He's the big guy. Hutton, we know that Pete is a natural-born skeptic, and that's one of the reasons we love him. Yeah. There is a player in this draft I've yet to hear one negative word about. Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. Pete, can you give us one negative word about Michael Mayer and what he could bring <laughs> to a team at tight end? No, he's the best tight end in the class. Even Pete uh, I, can't I, find I, anything wrong like with TJ Hawkinson. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's the best tight end in the class. He can block. I mean, he's not a great blocker. He's not an overwhelming blocker, but he's a good blocker, and I think he's he's a guy that can create problems down the field. He's the best tight end in the class. You know, a lot of people push up the Kincaid kid from Utah. Uh, there are others as well in this class, but I Darnell Washington from, from uh, Georgia. But I think Mayer, clean tight end, he's going in the first round. He should go in the first round. Is Lamar Jackson going in the first round? Is he being dealt on the 27th? No. No, he's not. I, the, only, the only place he could possibly go would be Indianapolis. And if you're Indianapolis, do you, are you going to give him the guaranteed contract that he turned down from the Ravens? I mean, the Ravens, they, from what I was told, they offered to make him the second highest paid quarterback in the league with the second most guaranteed money. He's just not getting the Deshaun Watson deal. And that's what he wants. He wants to get Deshaun Watson guaranteed money, wants to go over that. Nobody's given him that. So that's why, remember when he came out that we were all at the owners' meetings, I was standing around John Harbaugh's table, and they said, oh, he wants to be traded. He has to be traded. You're available to every team out there right now. Do you see people knocking down the door to go get him? No. So he, he didn't finish the last two seasons. He hasn't improved that much since his MVP season. Those are concerns. And he's asking for the most guaranteed money in the league. Who, who's going to make a deal for that? And the Ravens can match it if they want to. That's another caveat. Yes, and in and- Here's the other thing. I and I haven't studied the depths of their salary cap structure, but Miami, I think, would would have been involved in this had they not flirted with Tom Brady and they're giving up their first round pick. I mean, that just it fits what they do uh, with the veteran style quarterback and what he could mean for that style offense with a a head coach that has a running background and speed on the outside. Um, again, they're not going to be. They're all in on Tua, but to me, 
they wouldn't be if they had the ability with a first-round pick this year to include that as part of a trade. Again, though, the guaranteed con- – if he's turning it down from the Ravens, that means you're going to have to give it to him. You know, it means you're going to have to give him $210 million in guaranteed money, and I don't think that's happening. And here's the other thing about if the If somebody did do that, then the Ravens wanted to match it. They don't, but they could. And they could always say, hey, we didn't give him the guaranteed money. We just guaranteed contract. We just matched it. Because nobody wants to be the next team to do that because now you're all of a sudden you're starting to see a trend. Joe Burrow will want that. Justin Herbert will want that. And let's be real. The Bengals aren't going to give a fully guaranteed deal. And I, I think cash flow-wise, I don't think they're one of those teams that will be able to make yeah. that happen. And then, the, and then the, the Chargers don't have a ton of money either in terms of cash flow because they play uh, second fiddle in that stadium. I know we're all referencing the Watson contract, but, I mean, Kirk Cousins got a lot of money guaranteed as well like i don't know why we're we always 90 have to go. he got 90 something but it was three years i mean, I mean lamar jackson could get 100 from what i was told he'd get 130 uh, i think it was 130 for three years right and yeah he, he, <laughs> take it but with but he could get more i think if he would just do the reduced contract and if, if it's incentive based where if he reaches something or reaches a plateau then it's locked in again like i think there are different ways where an agent helps him negotiate it it's a hard yeah no having not having an agent killed kills him because yeah. even in his negotiations with the Ravens, you guys have been on job interviews or have gone in and asked for a raise. What are they going to do? They're going to pick you apart. So now all of a sudden you had a, a GM's picking you apart, and you're part of the team if you want to come back. That's hard to deal with. And if they gave him a good deal, he took advantage of them. If they gave him a bad deal, they took advantage of him because he didn't have an agent. It's a tough, tough negotiation. Pete, is Aaron Rodgers a Jet by draft night? I think the next day. Uh, this is just my gut feeling because the, the Packers want 13. The Jets aren't giving it to them. And so you let that pick pass on by and you say, okay, that's gone. Give us this, this, and this, and we'll make the deal. And here, here's the thing. You're going to have to put conditions on those picks if you're the Jets because you know you're playing this game again with Aaron Rodgers next year. Will I, won't I, will I, won't I? And so if he's not going to play more than one year, you want to have some conditions on those draft picks. Uh, and I think they'll work it out that way. So I think after the first round, you might see him get traded on Saturday. And what a, what a team that they've put together there. That defense was already legit and young, up and coming. Uh, they've got the offensive and defensive rookie of the year from a year ago. In a great spot. I mean, well, one I, of those I, guys is coming off an ACL, though. Let's not forget okay. that. Yeah, uh, but, you know, I would be hesitant to sign up for that every year like the Packers. The Packers did, and now they're just tired of it because they gave Aaron what he wanted, and he does this every year anyway. The Jets are willing to do it. Woody Johnson's ready to win. I get all that, but, man, they, the way they're set up, they are this piece away, and they're really – they have been the only team, the only obvious team. And, and you're on Aaron time, right, Pete? I mean, that's what, yeah. that's what you know if you get into this is he may not respond to texts. He may not call me back. If he says he's getting away for a while, he's not going to respond to anyone, and we just have to deal with it. That's It's got to be a difficult spot for any organization. And particularly with a team that's got a lot of young players, you want him around. And, and that's why this deal needs to get done sooner rather than later. Everybody can say, oh, you want he knows the offense. He's been around Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, he's comfortable with him. But he needs to get comfortable with the players. He didn't do that in Green Bay last year. That's why it took a while for those young receivers to start making plays, Watson and Dobbs. I think he has to do a better job of that. Even if he goes to the Jets, they're not better in Buffalo. I'm sorry, they're just not. They're good. They're not better in Buffalo. Pete Prisco, CBSSports.com, senior NFL columnist. Always great work uh, for decades now. It's 
what you come to expect from him. Uh, and follow him on uh, social at Prisco CBS. Always appreciate the visit, man. Keep up the great work. You got it, guys. Take care. Yep, Pete Prisco there. Uh, Chad, the uh, the visits we've had with him in person are epic, and the cheat, cheat, cheat chance whenever Arizona State was accused of cheating. Was it with Herm? Yes. <laughs> like in year one. Didn't cheat enough. <laughs> I think that's what he said. I, th- I think actually he was saying that about. No, he was Herm. all for it. He was like, yeah, "Let's do like, it. Like, yeah, go let's ahead. Go, have let's at go it. all in." If you're going to if you're going to win, they they still the, these games still happen. Yeah, it's the name of the game in college sports, and they've got a great location there in uh, outside of Phoenix and Tempe. So why not cheat and then make it all happen that way? So I I can't say that I disagree with Pete. Here's why I like Pete. Also, he always brings the energy. Oh, every yeah. time he's been on with us, there's an ener- there's a palpable energy with Pete that he brings to the show that I appreciate. Yeah, and you're you're able to get a different perspective from a guy who's evaluating and talking to people across the league who are doing the evaluations of the players. Chad, By the way, I totally disagree with him on Will Levis. I didn't want to take up too much time well, on that, but I think everyone on this show knows how I feel about him. I, I, I don't think he's going to be a great pro. Well, I don't think he's awful. I don't think I, he's I, terrible either. I think the perception is, oh, you guys are bashing him because he's not going number one. and it, I, that He's was, going in the first round. That's he's going to be a high first round pick. Yeah, I, I believe he, that's going to happen. I think that's where he should go. You know, he's, he's a middle of the first round type quarterback for me, but... Again, if I'm drafting and I don't have a quarterback, you have to overdraft those guys. And Richardson will be in the same camp. The only flaw with Will Levis compared to Anthony Richardson is we don't have the on-field evaluation of Anthony Richardson based on how much he played and how little we saw versus what we did see at Kentucky and the hype around Will Levis when he transferred in from Penn State. And then where he took the program and then what he followed that up with with the second season. I just think when you're getting into the game of, and, and Pete was doing this, and I think anyone, and you have to if you're going to defend Will Levis, and I understand that. But when you get into this, his offensive line was terrible, and the offensive coordinator was terrible. Right. Guys, it was Kentucky, and the year before they got into the top 10, and when you're making up those excuses and you're not going with, man, look at what this dude did at this program, it's impressive. Well, when you're not saying, like, look what he did in a bad offense or with a bad offensive line, and you're flipping it to, well, he just struggled because his offensive line was bad, I think that's a tough spot to go into with a quarterback prospect. Well, he's not going A top to, quarterback prospect. Well, and those top quarterback prospects are not going to San Francisco setup. You know? Yep. Like, it's going to be to a franchise that's in desperate need. And, I mean, the teams that we're talking about, Tennessee's one of them. Uh, Indianapolis, the offensive lines have not performed well. The run game has not been on par to what we would expect from both of those organizations that have franchise-type backs in their backfield. And that's what Kentucky was known for, running the football first through Rodriguez. And now Levis has got to, you know, reach a different plateau, and he may not have all those things that Pete's saying that he didn't have in college either. There's just a lot of excuse making about the inconsistency, the interceptions, the lack of yep. elevating his offense more, even though it was bad at times and his offensive line was bad. Tons of excuse making. Mel Kuyper was saying, hey, you know, you lose by four, you lose by 40. What's the difference? Yeah. With some interceptions that he threw. I'm thinking, okay, that's not what I want to hear about a top quarterback prospect. The way that the, the excuses are made for Will Levis. He sounds like a second or third round pick 
that you're saying, well, he's better, but all of these things happen. The interesting thing is his stats uh, from college are very are similar to the in, uh, interceptions are similar to what Roethlisberger was throwing in college, and that's that's the other comparison that I've heard. Uh, well, some make is the, the the Big Ben comparison for where he was to what he could become. But again, after C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, no one's saying that Levis and Richardson are ready to go in and start immediately. And how about Pete saying Richardson could be two or three years away? That's coming from an organization that doesn't need a quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't think – you nailed it. That's someone who already yeah. has their franchise guy saying that. Yeah. That's, is that coming from Kansas City? Cincinnati, I think, Cincinnati. said that. They've got Joe Burrow. Like, this guy's five years away. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would draft this Anthony Richardson guy. Certainly no one in the AFC North should draft Anthony Richardson if they, unless they want to wait a couple of Olympics before this guy's ready to start. Coming up, uh, is Al Gore going to claim credit for reinventing the long ball? That's next on Hot Mike. Chad, Amber Harding at outkick.com has the story on uh, climate change and baseball and how they connect, where researchers are now saying that climate change, researchers at Dartmouth, rising temperatures could end up accounting for 10% of all home runs that will occur this century. Should we alert Cooperstown? I mean, you've got the juiced ball era. You've got the juiced era, the roids era. Yeah. You've got the dead ball era, <laughs> and now you've got the planet is overheating, extremely hot era where homers are flying out of the parks, apparently. But this century, so well, is it humidity that keeps it in the park? But so I don't know. So I don't understand weather is what I'm saying. I I, I don't remember which one. It's moisture less, in the air that keeps it. It gets less dense as the air is warmer. Yeah. So, but the more dense, the more it's going to stay in the park. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, so that's, high humidity. That's, yes. Moisture is going to keep it in. So here is, they wanted to seek an answer as to why the last 13 years we've seen an upswing in the number of homers. By the way, I, I thought it was a pretty boring stretch there during this same time frame for home runs. You know, the dead ball era. They, at what, two years ago, they were using two different baseballs in the game uh, for a company that Major League Baseball owns in Rawlings. Uh, that was a weird deal. They just weren't announcing when yeah, they were I mean, using they, them. The, the league produces their own baseball. So I mean, See what happens with this one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> throw it out there, guys. Just throw it in. Throw it towards the batter. And the pitchers were <laughs> see like, how far it goes. Trevor Bauer was one that was saying like, so there, there are definitely different baseballs yes, in play. Yeah, he could feel it. Yeah, at least he was claiming to. There, and he wasn't the only one. But guys were saying like, hey, it, there's a noticeable difference, not just game to game, but you could go inning to inning, pitch to pitch, if you want to throw one out or there's a foul ball. Quick aside, and we'll get back to this also. Yeah. It is insane to me that college basketball plays with a hundred different basketballs. That depending on where you go, they get to use their own brand and their own ball. And there's not a universal NCAA college basketball, Rawlings or whatever it is, that you use every single gym everywhere you go. That is crazy to me. When you talk about home court advantage – in college basketball, you were shooting with a different basketball. I mean, they're, they're, 
I mean, it's the same size, but you know what I mean. It could be, uh, it could <laughs> bounce higher, the, it could feel different. Sometimes it's a women's basketball. Slicker, right? <laughs> was it the game where the... <laughs> the women didn't the, know they were playing with a men's ball? Yeah, and, I mean, well, they did. They were shooting horribly. They shot, what, but nine, they didn't say anything until halftime. Until halftime. It was, they were, they were Guys, something's up. I just 19%. airballed a three that I thought was money. It was short. I airballed it short. So and it felt good when it left my fingers. Chad, researchers say for every one degree Celsius... For an increase in temperature, the number of home runs in a game goes up by almost two percent. And uh, so Amber did the math. She goes in 2019, a record year for home runs in Major League Baseball. Tim, uh, Major League teams averaged 1.39 homers per game. This is great research by so Amber. So a one degree Celsius raise, that would be uh, 33.8 degrees Fahrenheit. That would skyrocket that number to a whopping 1.4 per game. So it goes up from 1.39 to 1.4, meaning it's not going to skyrocket out of the ballpark like the headlines want you to believe. I mean, yeah, I don't. So we've got, by the way, it's it's launch angle. It's it's absolutely got something to do with the baseballs, 100%. And, I mean, by the way, I'm all for it. I, I, I miss the steroid era, quite frankly. I, I cherish those moments. <laughs> Watching not one, not two, sometimes three players go for the all-time record. And we were tuned in for it. And now we're celebrating the AL home run king, Aaron Judge, and the chase for immortality. Hutton, you... Uh, it was all, it was all due to it climate was, change. When it, life was simpler and we were just talking about the cream and the clear, the America's <laughs> no, we pastime we really flourished. <laughs> we really were talking about it. We looked over like, man, you know, Barry Bond's head got a lot bigger since his time I, in Pittsburgh, but we didn't care. I didn't, I didn't even hear about the cream and the clear until Sammy Sosa pretended he couldn't speak English. Yeah. And that's when I knew, okay, these guys are screwed. I mean, we kind of knew with Brady Anderson, but we didn't care. But, well, you know, the what? guy just, uh, it's like uh, James Conn in the oh, program. He was like one of you 25 know, anybody, guys. Hey, anybody you know? can put on 35 pounds of muscle if they hit the gym really hard in the offseason. He's not doing roids, guys. Nothing to see over here. <laughs> Those 50-something home runs out of nowhere for a leadoff hitter. We don't need to ask any questions about that. And the part of it is, like, I, I missed the era because that was my, you know, group in the 90s. But that's that's also, like, to me, that's... Where I became a fan of baseball. Since we're on baseball issues, someone in the YouTube chat is saying this yeah. too. Do you think Trevor Bauer in part got banished from the game because he was questioning the baseballs to go along with this? That's still well, a weird banishment. That, no, I mean, that the legal issues of that have gone away, and it's like, well, you're you're blackballed. Yeah, the, I, I do. I mean, going back to his vlogs, he he would say that Major League Baseball hated him, and he would show the fines. And he, would, he did this all the way up through a portion of the 2020 COVID season, where he's, or he finished it, I believe, in the COVID season, where he's pulling in and having to do these tests and talking about all the stuff just to get into the ballpark. Um, yeah, they, they weren't a fan of what he was doing. And there were guys in the teammates of the clubhouse that didn't like what he was doing because they didn't want a camera in the clubhouse. But and I so mean, that, this that, is that, a real big con oh, for if you just don't like somebody. Oh, I know. Uh, he's so unlike that people are like, they, they saw the accusation like, Finally, we got him. Yeah. This is what we need to keep this guy away from a major league clubhouse for the rest of his life. I mean, the Dodgers paid him. That's some real hatred for a guy who was a great pitcher. The Dodgers paid him off just to leave, just to be off their roster. What was it, $24 million Yeah. Just to leave. And then he got, he got a portion, a big portion, a chunk of that back that was prorated based on the time he had missed. 
in the games he was suspended for off of arbitration. But, yeah, strange story. Now he's pitching in, what, Japan? Sounds right. Sure. He's, uh, no he's idea. Playing in Japan. Um, I don't know if he's vlogging anymore. I think the vlog probably went away. I, I don't know about it. I mean, he, maybe not. Maybe not. Hit us up on, uh, on social. You can follow us at Outkick. Also, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can join the chat. So there's two NBA stories that both tie into gambling, at least for me. Okay. It ties into gambling. Right, Bradley Beal coming out and telling uh, gamblers, and they're sort of their post the, postseason wrap up because the Wiz are out. Locker room, they're clean not out playing there. the playoffs, playing out. So he kind of, you know, was very frustrated and said, "People that bet on sports need to chill out with what they say to us." And this is in reference to the incident we talked about, where he knocked a guy's hat off his head. I, I completely agree with him. Right, he's even said, like, "If you want to talk about what we're doing in the game." or heckle or whatever, that's part of the game when you, you pay for a ticket. But ease up on the you cost me $5,000, you bleep type talk to professional athletes. Mm-hmm. It's not my fault. He said, I like to go to casinos. I know 99% of the time I'm going to lose when I go to a casino. I'm doing it for entertainment. So don't go about that if you're going to a game. I completely agree with him. The NBA play-in game starts tonight also, though, Hutton, and I will, I will say, to follow up what Bradley Bill said, the only reason I will watch the NBA play-in games is because I'm betting on the games. So, while I endorse what Bradley Bill is saying, and if I saw an NBA player in front of me, I would not be a jackass and call them names and say, you lost me this much money and this and that. But I will watch tonight and I will bet on the games. And if these NBA players don't come through for me on my bet, that's probably the last NBA play-in game I'll watch. I'm not coming back tomorrow, NBA. If I don't win my bets tonight, you are forewarned. This will happen. I will not make a scene if I see one of these players out, but I'm not coming back to watch your product again if my bets don't pay off. So I'm both sympathetic with Bradley Beal and what he's saying, and I'm sympathetic with the fan that bets on the games. Okay, so for the betting purposes. How would you like to tie that in? I, I Both love stories. So Full I, circle. This makes me think about it. So uh, Rudy Gobert's not playing for the Timberwolves as they will tip off late tonight against the Lakers. Punched a teammate during so the game. The, yes. The, the, the Lakers have won nine of their last 11 games. Meanwhile, Minnesota has been limping in. They don't have Gobert. And keep in mind, they've actually been better without him over their last 10 games when he hasn't been on the floor. The spread, Chad, Minnesota is receiving eight and a half points on the road at L.A. Your thoughts? They've been better without him. I took L.A. on, I thought eight and a half felt they like a lot. They had a dude break his hand and if another guy throw a punch at another player and they still won that game over the weekend. I've got a, uh, a two-game parlay going okay. tonight. I took L.A. on the money line. Three-game parlay. Actually, I got one tomorrow night. So, I guess I will. I, I lied. I will He has watch. a three-game parlay. He thought all three were tonight. <laughs> if I win, yeah. <laughs> I, that's true, actually. <laughs> I didn't notice until afterwards. said, oh, that's 8.30 Eastern Wednesday night. Crap. But if I win both games tonight, then I will tune in tomorrow. But if I don't, I will not tune into that game because that parlay Outkick. will be dead. Outkick.com slash bet. I took Miami minus four, I okay. think it was, yep. against now, Atlanta. It's now at five. And I took uh, L.A. on the money line. I thought eight and a half was too much. I know, I know very little about either team, but you I just saw to. eight and a half, and I thought, that feels like a lot. You're like, so I'm not going to do it. You're like America right now. We're yeah. all learning these teams. I, by, the, by the finals, I may be an expert NBA guy because I'll bet on these games. So the games tonight, Hawks at Heat, 
Timberwolves at Lakers, the winner of each game will be the number seven seed in their respective conference. And the loser will play the winner of tomorrow's games on Thursday. How, do you remember? And then the winner of that game advances as the eight seed. Do you remember being um, at the uh, at the Minnesota Timberwolves game you and I yes. attended at the Super Bowl? Yes. And that strange walk. Remember, they have that like walk through the mall. That's everything's indoors in Minneapolis. Oh yeah. And it's sort of like in, in, uh, in, in Indianapolis, in Indianapolis had the same deal where it's like underground, but you walk everywhere above ground. I remember walking through a mall. We walked through a hotel, walk like through the bar of the hotel. You know, like and then you enter skywalks, you enter the arena and we sat in the press area of the arena. We went down close to we press row down. at one yeah. point, snuck down really close to the yeah. bench. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is playing on that team. If I remember correctly. And then walked back, and if you're there, the hotel had the hotel bar. We stopped off to have a drink at that hotel bar, and the refs from that night's oh, game were right. just there. Yeah, I that's was like, right. "How did you guys beat us here?" I feel like we walked right when the game ended, and the refs were at the bar. <laughs> I forgot about that. Just sitting there, hanging out, like in their official like NBA pull up, having an old fashioned. And having a it's beer like and just they, talking about the game. It's like they were. It's like they teleported to the bar. It, it's like they, yeah, it, it was like, like golf cart access. Yeah. To the, straight to the bar, and then they had to wear their endorsement gear while sitting there enjoying the old fashioned. Yeah, I and forgot they, all about. I that. thought they'd be in street now, clothes, but we only we recognized them because they had the NBA gear on. There was and a I group. Thought, oh, that's an NBA official. There was a group at a uh, training camp one year. This is like 2006 or 2007. And the uh, the Titans were up at a local college, but like an hour and a half, two hours from here. And we, our, our radio crew went out, and the officials were in town for the scrimmage that day. And I ended up chatting up with them, and then any time they would come through or I would be on the road, I would catch back up with them. They've since all retired out. But they do, you're right, they do go out in packs. It was. And then it, there's on to the next. I just remember being so town. impressed with the speed at which they got from the court to the bar. Oh, it was right next door. It and was it was. It was like a Minneapolis going to that arena. It's like a dream where you're opening up different doors and there's different rooms and it makes no sense. I mean, we walked. You could see the Target Field, the the Twins ballpark at one point on the walk. We're walking through like That's a Nordstrom a Nordstrom rack. At one point, bought a few. There's a food court. Bought a few shirts. Then there's just a weird hallway, and you're following signs to the arena, and you look over, and there's a hotel over here, and then there's a flower shop you pass, <laughs> and then you open double doors, and people are scanning tickets to go into the arena, and then we're in at a T, -T Wolves game. It was the strangest thing. I don't even know who. Do you remember who won? Absolutely not. No. Do you remember who they were playing? I don't. I want to say the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay. Your guess is as good as mine on that, man. That's a great question. I don't even remember who they're playing. Could have been the Pistons. Maybe the Magic. Uh, could have been. Keep going down. The Raptors. Could have been the Raptors. I'm just thinking about it. Could a, have been the Bucks. A franchise that we wouldn't remember. It was the Milwaukee Bucks. Was it? Giannis was there. I now remember it was the Bucks. Wow. Because I remember watching thinking, um, that guy really can't shoot free throws. <laughs> That was my takeaway from watching Giannis live. That's a really bad free throw form. Coming up, how far would you go to win a fight with a sibling? Crazy story next on Hot Mike.
Chad, I'm not sure what links you've gone to win a sibling argument. I was separated uh, by several years uh, with my brother, and I'm six years old with my sister. So we didn't argue about the same things all that often. Yeah, you know? my, my closest sibling to me is seven years older. Okay. So we didn't have many chances that. We had some physical altercations as adults, but it was mostly like horseplay. Yeah. <laughs> is how I would describe yeah. it. Yes. Not an actual fight. Um, well, that's not the case <laughs> in India. Uh, a teen in India, great links here to win. Uh, so they, sw they swallowed an entire cell phone. The girl did to end an argument with her brother. And then when I say cell phone, this is not like a like break up a flip phone in half or something. And then you somehow I mean, get how? down an antenna. This is like the, the, and I looked up the year because this, is she this, a Cobra? This looks very similar the cell phone to like the first phone I had it was probably two thousand one, yeah. and it was this AudioVox Verizon cell phone. Um, this one is like a silver metallic color that she swallowed, but I mean, it immediately had to go to surgery to remove it. And the quote the dispute between siblings led to the turn of events of an unnamed doctor involved in the surgery. As tempers flared during the argument, she took an impulsive step by swallowing the cell phone. Uh, and, and <laughs> so then they had to rush her to uh, surgery to remove this. And again, it's, uh, what would you say, a size of a hand? Half the size of a hand? I mean, it's, it, it's tough to tell because of the... It's bulky. Well, and what it's in, you can't really tell the depth of it, but it looks impossible for a human to swallow. Agreed. So, yeah, I've never End done the that. argument, though. It's tough to argue. I, you know, if you if you fight me, I may not win, but I feel like I, you'd have to kill me to win the fight, depending on what was going on, unless you punch me in the nose, and then I just quit immediately because oh. I hate the feeling of getting punched in the nose and your eyes also, watering. Th this, this is not a this is not a length I'm willing to go to to win an argument. I remember any my, argument. My brother once put a rock up his nose, <laughs> and he had to go to the doctor to have it removed. Okay, like he was probably five or six years old. Yeah, he wanted to see what it'd be like. Sure. Uh, beware of that when you're coaching these softball games. But we got a couple this, of girls who like to get in the dirt this girl, a lot, right? I don't know what's going on in the girl, dirt, if it's going to the face, but they're in the dirt a lot. 18. 18 years old. Swallowed the cell phone. This wasn't like the kid arguing over a video game. And we don't have any info on what the argument was over? Not from what I see, no. Man. That's so. crazy. That's crazy. Crazy world we live in. We go from uh, a sixth grade teacher allowing her kids to fight in the classroom as long as they don't scream or pull hair which, or make a fuss about it to a sibling swallowing a cell phone to win an argument. Which is more com committed? Oh, a thousand percent the cobra that swallowed the cell phone. No, this, this teacher. Damn boa constrictor. The, but the, the, turned, teacher, uh, human the teacher, boa the teacher constrictor. took away cell phones, said no hair pulling, no talking, no screaming. And oh, by the way, there, come back tomorrow. There's come back much, tomorrow uh, and fight it out again. There's not much commitment to that, just stupidity. Well, you're willing the, to you lose your that job. It's not, you think it's not going to get out? I don't want you kids saying a word to your parents about this when you go home. Well, that's fair. You think sixth graders aren't going One, to be able – they're going to go tell everyone they know right well, away. Both that, of these both Can of you these believe women, what Mrs. Hutton did in there? Both of she these let women us fight. acted like, you know, they were six. Like they were sixth grade, I should say. One was 23. The teacher was 23. Uh, this woman was 18. I remember witnessing some fights even in middle school where like male coaches or teachers would break it up. And I thought, 
that is ballsy to get in the middle of that. Yeah. Some big, like, football. I'm talking middle school football players. Yeah, the two kids that, that would a be brawling. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I think guy's taking shrapnel on the side of the head as he's breaking <laughs> it up. You know, some, you know, 45 year old, just middle aged dude, just getting elbowed in the side, getting knocked to the ground. Hey, hey. <laughs> Chad went to school at a UFC gym. <laughs> there was a year. Uh, no, no elbowing. Tomorrow I'll talk about the race riot that happened in my, my middle school. At one this point. Is, this is a true story. Never heard that. And I, I didn't grow up in a rough area either. For whatever reason, uh, people in my school decided the races, the races should fight. And it happened one day. And it was like uh, West Side Story squaring off in the hallway of my middle school. I didn't take part in it. It's I was just scared to death. Like a correctional facility. I wanted to shove myself into a locker when it was happening in hopes that I wouldn't have to fight anybody. Correctional facilities were Chad. My se- seventh grade was, is a weird year. Yeah, I think for everyone. That's, that everyone was the can worst. relate to being that they're most awkward. That was the worst year yeah. of school for me, seventh yeah. grade. No one looked good in a mirror in seventh grade. And moving from elementary for me to middle school, huge adjustment, <laughs> especially with the race riots that would take place in my middle school. The danger. At least you didn't have to didn't worry know about. Didn't what I was walking into. You didn't have to worry about cell phones then, though. No. Thank God. Yeah, just shivs. My daughters won't have to worry about them until they're 18. Also. Back at it tomorrow for good Hot for Mike right here across the Outkick Network. In the meantime, subscribe to the YouTube channel and Outkick.